Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, but this week we are taking a much-needed break. Time for a little R&R, but we can't leave you hanging. So we are cobbling together a few of our favorite segments from the past year, the least worst of After the Bell, as I like to refer to it. So I hope you enjoy this journey back through After the Bell, and we'll be back ASAP with all the new information and news you could possibly handle on the greatest sports entertainment podcast in the world. I want to take you back to January 14th. Our guest, the almighty Bobby Lashley. Bobby was preparing to take on Brock Lesnar for the WWE title at the Royal Rumble, a match that fans have been clamoring for for years. And now as we approach Lashley Lesnar 2 at Crown Jewel, let's take a listen. Bobby, the year was 2020, your first ever appearance here on After the Bell and you made a statement, you made a declaration that at some point you had been dreaming of a showdown with the beast incarnate Brock Lesnar. It is reality. January of 2022, the clash is finally happening. Lashley Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. What is going through your mind? Training, man. Um, training, man. Yesterday when I when I got back, my um, boxing coach called me up. He was amped up. He's like, we got to start training. Tomorrow morning, we're going to hit it. All this stuff. He has like all the plans set up and everything like this. I was like, calm down, calm down. My boxing coach, I, um, I did probably at least 10 of my fights with my boxing coach. And he was hyped up. He's always like looking for people for me to fight. And he's always like this Brock thing. He was like, man, we can fight him in the boxing ring. We can fight him in the cage. We can fight him in a wrestling ring. We can do it all. Because my training stays the same. I, I, I still box. I still, I still do my jujitsu and I still wrestle. And then I, and then of course I, I do my strength and conditioning. So right now it's, it's going to be what, I mean, we talked about this uh, yesterday or a couple of days ago is, is that time for training? I think that's what people want to see. They want to see the preparation. They want to see how me and Brock prepare for a fight because ultimately that's what it's going to be. We're not going to be doing the Huracanas. We're not going to be doing any. Um, it's not going to be so much of a pro wrestling match because both of us had that fight background. And um, and we have limited tools in our arsenal as far as what we do. So um, it's just going to be one of those um, one of those gritty, hard fights that people want to see. And I think that's um, some of the guys on the MMA side, they want to see it. Some of the guys on the pro wrestling side, they want to see it. But everybody wants to see that fight. So I'm going to prepare um, put a little bit of weight on um, because over the last few months, I was kind of like cardioing up a little bit more. We already talked about putting a little bit of weight on and and just kind of get our striking down. Because we've seen what Brock does in the ring. We've seen what he does. You know, Brock gets mad. Brock starts throwing punches. And if Brock starts throwing punches, we got to be prepared. So that's what it's about. So I think um, at this point, it's it's um, the calm before the storm, but we're all into the preparation phase of things. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, 
all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. What I can't help but notice as you're explaining all these different aspects of your training regimen, you're smiling. Bobby Lashley is smiling as he's describing the work he is putting in to prepare for a fight with one of the most dominant athletes WWE has ever known. I want to to go back to January 1st, day one. We're in Atlanta. Bobby Lashley wakes up that morning thinking there's a fatal four-way for the WWE championship. As the day progresses, I told the story last week how no one knew what was going on. I was in the same locker room as you and MVP for most of the day, and, and we started hearing rumblings. Is Roman here? We don't know. Boom. Next thing you know, this match that you have dreamed of and begged for for years in yeah. some manner is now taking place because Brock gets added and it becomes a fatal five-way. What was yeah. your initial reaction when you found out you were about to lock lock up with Brock way before you were ready? I was, I, the first thing I said is I said, get me out of the match. Really? I said, it's a fatal, it's, it's fatal four-way. Wow. Me and MVP could do something beforehand. Get me out of the match. Wow. Initially, people were like, what? Like, are you scared of him? No, I'm not scared of him. It's, it's, it's a match where exactly what happened, happened. He beat someone else and got the title. So essentially, he could say he beat me, Seth, Big E, and Kevin. Right? Right, right, right. I mean, the match was five people. On paper, yes. And I was like, that's not the way it's going down. I said, get me out of the match. They're like, nah, nah, you got to stay in the match. And I was like, all right. Well, the times when I do lock horns with him, it's going to be, it's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get what I need to get out of it. So um, it was one of those things where there's a lot of people that were kind of like not happy about it. But I looked at it as, at first, get me out of the match. But if I'm staying in the match, then um, the interactions that we have with Brock, I have to make a statement. And you did. Because and the I first did. the first interaction that the WWE Universe would witness, and I use the word witness because it was a spectacle, was you putting Brock Lesnar through the timekeeper's wall. Yes. When you hit that, and you got up, you could see it in, in your in your eyes, Bobby, on your face, that you were in it. You were in the moment. Did it become real in that instance where, okay, here we are. This is this is what you've been asking for? Yeah, man, because you know what? The, this is one thing that I thought about when it when I was there, because, and, and he said it, and he said it on, on Raw Monday. I'm not going to say piss me off because I'm going to keep this smile on my face. Um, this whole Bobby who, and that's what I told you before. There, there's not this whole, hey, you know, Brock, I'm so excited to to get an opportunity to be in a ring with you and all this stuff. And that's bull. This is what it was, and this is what I told you before. For 17 years, or if you want to say 18, 19, 20, whatever you want to say, it's been a long time. He had an opportunity to get in the ring with somebody as equal or greater. And he chose not to so long. When I told him, I told him when I went out there, I said, you've been ducking me, man. You've been ducking me for 20 years. You have been because you knew that I was here. You knew I was capable of, and you just chose to choose your own path in a path that was not where I was at. 
I said, so when I hit him there, it was like, I'm here. I wanted to focus all that attention on him and let him know I'm right here. If you act like you didn't know me before, here I am. And that's what I try to do that match. I try to show him as many times as I can that I'm the guy that he should be coming back for. I'm the guy that he should be wanting to fight. If he claims to be the beast, he needs to beat me. No argument there. People can't see it right now, Graves, but I'm rocking back and forth because I'm ready to run through a fucking wall. <laughs> you know, just, just here, I'm like, yeah. Well, is it Royal Rumble yet? Because I am ready. LFG, let's go. You know what's cool also? Because I, I think I'm a little sinister. I, I, I told somebody before this, I said, you know what? When you fight, when you get in a cage and fight, they said, they said, what makes a fighter? I said, it's, it's not the ability to take a punch and be able to be okay with it. It really isn't. Because when you fight, you're going to take a punch. You're going to get hit. And people clam up, people do, and there's grit, whatever. I said, it's the ability to hit somebody hard and be okay with it. And, and a lot of people don't understand that. But if you're in a cage, you have those little four-ounce gloves on. My fist can feel your face when I hit you. And if you can be okay with it, then you can be a fighter. I was okay with it when I started fighting. And it, and it came to me this kind of like, euphoric feeling that smile got even bigger there it is. <laughs> <laughs> and ever since i've been back you know there's been that times where you stand face to face with somebody and when i stand face to face with someone and i look in their eyes i can tell a lot about you i can read your whole entire soul brock doesn't have a soul i stood in front of him monday and of course there was some joking and everything going on this that and the other and that's really what i wanted to see i wanted to stand in front of him because there, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on with wrestling, the crowd and all this and all that. You know, we're cutting promos and it's like, oh, we're trying to entertain the crowd. When you stand in front of somebody, you look them in their eyes, you can read their soul. And every time when I looked at him and we locked eyes for a little bit, I said, this mother, this son of a gun does not have a soul. Brock doesn't have a soul. Brock can go out there and snap you, break your back. And him and his little security guard and Paul will walk out like it was no big deal. Like it was just another paycheck. He has no soul. And that's what excites me. That excites me. Being in a ring with somebody like that, that's really not going to break. He's not going to crumble. He doesn't care. He doesn't care if he hurts you. He doesn't care if you hurt him. He knows how to fight. He's big. He's scary. I love all these things. And if you're a fighter and the challenge, that's the challenge you want. I welcome that. I love it. I, I, I love seeing how worked up and excited you're getting smiling from ear to ear talking about a man who has no soul, who will willingly destroy another human being. And that is exactly what you want, Bobby. It's messed up. Let's be honest. It, to those of us that are sane in the conversation, uh, okay, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't think sense. any of us three, by the way, are sane in any, in, any, in any form. We've talked about it in the locker room in the past about just how you enjoy combat. It's not about being a badass or looking tough. You enjoy the moment being in the heat of battle so much yeah. so that uh, a few weeks back we were messing around in the locker room and you sent a tweet to John Jones that, Hey, you want to grapple? I'm, I'm game. I believe it was doc yeah. holiday. I believe it was the doc holiday yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. tombstone <laughs> gift. I'm your Somebody Huckleberry. With that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, I could see your eyes light up when we were goofing around like, Oh, you on a whim, Bobby Lashley, WWE superstar says, John Jones, one of the greatest fighters of all time, wants to fight. Hey, yeah, I'm, a, I'm in. Wait, there were no negotiations. There were no, no discussions. It was, you're that confident in your abilities as a competitor. What is it about fighting that fuels Bobby Lashley? It's just that, man. It's, it's, um, 
I, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to say anything bad here. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a, it's a thrill seeker. You know, some people like jump out of planes. Some people get into it. There is something about fighting that is so natural to me. And it's like, it's like the purest form of art when you go out there, because it's not just to Neanderthals going, because that's one thing I didn't like about fighting. I don't like going to watch UFC where the crowd's like, kill him, kill him, kill him, because they don't know what's going on. There is so much involved in fighting. When you walk into the cage, when you can feel the mat on your feet, when you can, when, when you're standing in front of a person that's like, like right in front of you, the way that your mind like warps things. Mike Tyson's trainer told him this, and I, and I loved it because one of my one, one of my best friends, my training partner, told me because, you know, I was getting ready for a fight. He said, you know, and he sent me this poem and there was in the poem basically said, you know, when you're standing across from somebody in the ring, you look at that person, that person appears bigger, that person appears stronger. You build this person up into this huge Herculean figure almost in your head. And he said, what you have to understand is that person is turning around looking at you thinking the same thing. But you're more real than what you're making him out to be. So if you think you're scared standing across the room from that guy, he's fearful like crazy standing across from you because you look like everything that he's building you up to be. So that's just another part of fighting. There's so many different parts of fighting that deal with your mind and deal with your soul and deal with your everything that I, I just love it. I love training. And when I'm done, I'm shutting it all down because I can't do it anymore. Um, but when I go through my training, like I love my, like, like when my coach breaks me down to the point where I can't stand up anymore. It's just every aspect of it. It's just something that I've always just, I, I've loved. Um, I can't even explain it in a certain way. So, so Bob, how long have you been out of your mind? <laughs> I just heard Bobby Lashley give a love story to training. <laughs> Bobby just wrote a love story to training and combat. <laughs> That's what I just heard him poetically just put out there. The smile is my cover-up. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people don't understand it, man. And just standing in front of somebody, like when I said, uh, when I was in front of Brock uh, Monday night, I was, I was, I was reading him and he was telling the joke and he was trying to get into character. But every time when he would come and we would lock eyes for a little bit, he would stop for a little bit and just pause and would look at me. And he would just let me know, I don't have a soul. The cool thing about it is like, there was a lot of things said, but there was a lot of things said, just me and him looking straight across from each other. And we had a lot of dialogue between us. And, and then when we went backwards, he was like, ah, you know, it was cool. It felt good out there, but we had a lot of dialogue right here and it was it was awesome that's that's the thing i love about fighting he's gonna bring out something of me that that i don't think anybody else could i mean drew drew brought a level out of me because drew was somebody that wanted to fight seamus brought a level out of me because seamus is just somebody that's just dirty and rotten and likes to fight um brock's different and it's a different level it sounds to me like you're, you're looking at this very differently from any other WWE match you've had in the past. It sounds to me like we are getting Bobby Lashley fighter, not WWE superstar, just, just from the, the interaction and what you're explaining about you. And, and, and is Brock in the same mindset? Is Brock looking at this fight differently to your knowledge? You know, I got to ask this before. I, I, I got to ask, you know, if Brock has Roman over here and he has me over here, do you think he's distracted? No, Brock is, Brock is that, that guy on the, on the, on the park. That's a bully. And a bully is always going to be a bully. And a bully is never going to be scared. A bully is going to be this until he gets broke. 
until he gets broke. I'll tell you the story real quick. Um, I was I was at the the world championships and they had a, a pool of three guys. So you had to win your pool to make it into the tournament. And then you had to advance on. I ended up taking a silver medal in that tournament, but I was in there with the Russian and a guy from Qatar and it was me. So there was three of us that were in there and I wrestled the guy from Qatar first. So the Russian sat up in the, in the crowd. He just kind of sat back like that. He was just kind of watching the match. And I was, and my coach was like, don't show him too much. Don't show him too much. Just go out there, make it quick and, and get out of there. So I was like, all right, all right. So I'm cool. I'm cool coach. He came out there. The guy came out there. I double legged, picked him up, boom, slammed and pinned him right away. Boom. And I knew he was up there looking at me. So I kind of looked back at him and he kind of looked back and it just goes like this. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then, and then after that, he was wrestling a guy from Qatar. So this guy comes out there, shakes his hand, and as to Russians, have you ever seen Russians? He's like loosey goosey, like he doesn't even care. Like the guy shoots on him, he just kind of grabs him like that, pulls him up, throws him really fast, and then like lets him up really easy. And then I mean, he's doing he's it to- like toying with, with him, no effort. Yeah, like, just, like he's just like putting out a little show for me, and he's just doing it with no effort. And um. He ends up going through and then like towards the end, the guy shoots on him and he just falls to his butt and gives the guy a point and then gets up and then throws him and then pins him like nothing. <laughs> and then he raises his arm and then he kind of looks at me. Me and him wrestled. I was so amped up for this match, man. I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit this guy with everything I have. As soon as I whistle blows, I'm coming full force, 100%. I'm going to take the quickest, hardest shot I've ever taken before. We get out there, shake hands. I'm amped up. I'm, I'm already sweating because I'm ready. I'm into this. I shoot this shot as quick as I can. This joker moves out of the way like Olay, like a like a bull. Like a bull. <laughs> <laughs> and just turns like that and is like still just like nonchalant. And I was like, holy <laughs> I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> so we get into it, and this guy was like impossible to beat at the first. And then I hit him with something and I felt him break. He went from completely invincible to nothing like that. And it was, I hit him with the double that he tried to get out of it. And it was like, oh, like that. And boom. And then we went out and then, and then it was a break. And then I was like, coach, I think he's done. I think I may have blew his knee out or something like that. And he was like, all right. He said, no, stay ready. We go back out there second round. As soon as the whistle blows, I shoot a double leg at him. He has absolutely nothing. Double leg him, put him on his back and pin him like nothing. I don't know if Brock is like this, but when you go on to battle with somebody that is that dominant, once you pull a little bit out of them and break them, hit them that breaking point, they are nothing. I'll tell you another person, Amanda Nunes. She was in that fight. World's right. greatest fighter. The minute she got that doubt in her head, zero. That's what I want to see with Brock. I don't think Brock has ever had that. I never, think, I never seen Brock to the point where he had that like, oh crap look on his face. I think we saw a, a few glimpses of it at day one when Brock was locked in the hurt lock and you had the hands fully clasped. It was in, had it not been for Big E, you know, breaking it up. Uh, I think the world caught a glimpse. I'm gonna ask you period, point blank. Bobby Lashley, come the Royal Rumble. Are you the one who breaks Brock Lesnar? I think so. If I don't, nobody will. He, he's at that point where it's not gonna be Brock Lesnar in 10 more years. Brock is limited to years now also. Even though he has a very light schedule, he's not just going to keep coming back for 20 years and turning into like <laughs> he's old Brock. If he, if he can't be Brock, he's not going to come back. So 
right now looking at the landscape of things and who has the opportunity to actually push him to the point of breaking him, if I don't, nobody will. I said I wanted to run through a wall before, and now I'm ready to run through a cinder block. <laughs> like, I'm ready to go for the Royal Rumble. I got to ask before I let you go, Bobby, it, the, the world is watching. Everybody's clamoring. Brock Lesnar asked the question this past Monday night, Bobby, who? How excited are you to show him? Oh, I'm going to show everybody, man. I, I, I've been having to prove myself forever. When, 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 <laughs> let me make this personal. When Brock went into to the UFC, Brock had a gym built outside his house. They sent training partners to Brock. They gave Brock a friggin' boatload of money. It's easy to train when all you have to do is wake up, stretch, walk outside your house, go work off your apartments, have all your push there, walk back in, and everything like that. It's simple to do that. When I started fighting, I was flying down to Florida, doing a training camp for a week, flying over to California, training with Barnett, training with Cormier, training with all these different guys, hopping around, raising three kids on my own, um, juggling a schedule that was just me. It was difficult. It wasn't just, hey, I can just roll outside my house and have everything handed to me. So this is just another one of those cases where I expect to have to prove to myself, prove myself, and I can prove myself to anyone. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to be posting some of my training videos so people can see what I do because I've, I've, I've kind of shut that down a little bit for over the past few months. But I'm going to start showing them the kind of training and everything that I go through to get prepared for a fight like this so that people will not just think, oh, okay, you know, is Bobby at Brock's level? Bobby was at Brock's level a long time ago. I'm at a whole different level right now. And I think Brock knows that. So the same way I was saying, I looked at Brock's eyes, Brock saw that I saw that Brock didn't have a soul. Brock was looking in my eyes and he saw that I enjoyed that. And I think that scared him a little bit. So when we go the next few weeks, there's going to be a lot of training going on. But then when there's going to be a fight, there's going to be a fight. And I think leading up to this thing, there's going to be some blows thrown. Because I think right now we're respecting each other. But there's going to be a time where there's going to be some disrespect. And when disrespect happens, we're both going to have to prove ourselves. So when he says Bobby who, I'm going to say Brock who, because that's what I want to find out. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things. There was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. My village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. 
Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Up next, you're going to hear some of our conversation with Kevin Owens from April 22nd. KO's fresh off the heels of a main event match with a returning Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania 38. It still feels strange to say that. Here's KO. Kev, it's a few. It's been a few weeks now. We are now a few weeks away from WrestleMania Saturday, where you stood across the ring from Stone Cold Steve Austin. What was going through your mind at that time? And now that you've had a few weeks to look back and reflect on what that meant, what did WrestleMania this year mean to Kevin Owens? Well, it's all downhill from here, really. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Admire the optimism. <laughs> I don't. I, and I say that with the most like optimistic point of view I can have. Really, right. I mean that in a good way. It was really unbelievable. It's still unbelievable. Like I'll, uh, you know, sometimes I'll have my moments while just, I'm not doing anything, you know, I'm just kind of sitting around and I'll just pull it up on my phone and I'll specifically watch the moment where the ref rings the bell and uh, I still can't believe it happened. It's really hard to process what happened, honestly. It's hard to put into words. Was it an instance for you? I mean, you've obviously done and accomplished so much in this business, but to sit there and there was a moment when you guys were still seated in your chairs during the KO show and Austin kind of flipped his head and you could see it in his eyes that stone cold was back. The stone cold we grew up knowing and loving and admiring that intensity in his eyes. Did that translate to you in that moment? Was it real then? Like, Oh my God. So I know the moment you're talking about too. It's when I say, and I I watched that moment too. It's so weird. I watched the moment where I say I'm looking for a fight. And it's funny because he, that's when he, like turns and gives me that glare. And when I say I'm looking for a fight, you see people behind him start standing up and you kind of hear the buzz. Man, like moments like that are special, you know? And um, another thing that I remember really well is uh, before, and this might have been caught by like a 24 documentary crew or whatever, you know, we have so many people documenting what's happening backstage during WrestleMania, camera crews and stuff. At one point, right before we went out, I caught a glimpse of him just pacing back and forth. He looked like a caged lion, just ready to murder people. <laughs> and I was like, Oh man, this is going to be wild. You know what I mean? And, uh, it's really all very surreal. It's very hard to put into words. And that's so cliche when we talk about what we do, you know, but yesterday, actually, I, before I even knew I was going to do this with you guys, like I said, I don't know. I get these moments where I just start reflecting on my career. And I was thinking how crazy it was when I started with Cena and how people around me were like, this is unbelievable. Right. You know, one thing I'll always hear is you outlived any expectations any of us ever had for you. <laughs> it's a good problem like, you know, Well, you know, but the thing is, everybody, like I'm not, you know, everyone knows, you look at me, I don't fit the stereotypical WWE superstar. A lot of people thought they'd never take two looks at me. That's it. I got signed. That people were surprised by. Then I won the NXT title. You know, two months in, what the hell's going on? Then I showed up on Raw and attacked John Cena. Oh, now I'm wrestling Cena on a pay-per-view, and I won. People were like, this is just not... Then I won the Universal title. It just kept getting bigger and bigger. Then I beat the out of Vince McMahon on TV. Like, everyone's like, this is... And now, somehow, it keeps getting talked. You started the interview by saying it's all downhill yeah, because you just I'm headlined saying. WrestleMania. But... But it's not out of the realm of possibility because now, by your own admittance, multiple times you've exceeded your own expectations. Don't, but I don't know what tops this. What can top <laughs> it? Like, you tell me. If you can figure one out, 
I would have said the same thing when you beat up Vince McMahon. I would have said the same thing when you debuted when you won the Universal Championship, like the title. So that's the thing. Yesterday I was having this reflection and I'm like, man, nothing like just keeps getting, it just keeps getting crazier. And I don't know, man, I guess I, the point I'm trying to make, I, you asked how I felt then. It's the same I feel now. I was in disbelief and I'm really just so grateful. I really can't. And it sounds so corny and it's not like a juicy answer, but man, that's really the truth. I'm so, so grateful for everything. I don't think it's corny at all. You know, I've known you for a long time. You've always been very honest up front. You speak your mind, whether people want to hear it or not. So I know I'll get a truthful answer here. What then yes, will you drive have too much you? Makeup on right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's looking a bit ghoulish before you sign okay, on. Okay, <laughs> guys, let's get back on track here. Thank you very much. What continues to drive then Kevin Owens? That's really funny too, because I was just talking to Becky Lynch about this uh, a few days ago. Like, where does the drive? Like once you've accomplished, like she main events at WrestleMania too. She won the title. She won both titles at WrestleMania. First time women main events at WrestleMania. She won that match. She won both titles. How do you top that? And the, I guess the, the basic answer is you don't look to top it. And, you know, I, I shifted my focus when I re-signed my new contract a few months ago. But, you know, it, it was an ongoing process for years because if, if you watch the documentaries they've they've done about me on, on, you know, whether it's my DVD that came out a few years ago or the 365 or the Chronicle, all that stuff. One thing that always came back about me is that I was always worried about what's next and how to get better and how to get bigger and how to do like get, get ahead and all this stuff. And because of that mindset, I lost, uh, I lost out on a lot of really cool moments that I had, but I didn't appreciate them at the time. Cause I was so worried about what's next. And, uh, you know, triple H, when he came back, um, you know, when he came back into the public, I don't know how you want to put it. Like at WrestleMania, we had that talent meeting and he was, you know, it was reported plenty. Like people talked about it online. One of the things he said was that you guys need to enjoy these moments, you know, and after what he went through, it's a whole new meaning when he's saying that, because it's something you hear a lot of people say, but it really doesn't, you know, nothing hammers at home until you hear somebody you have so much respect for, which is what I have for honor, you know, say it after what he went through. And it's the same thing Shawn Michaels told me several years ago when I was going through it and having a hard time and wanting to do more. And I don't understand why I'm not doing more. And he's like, you just got to, you know, you just got to have perspective. And it's the same thing Vince McMahon told me when I've had the same talk with him. But it's hard. It's hard. But at some point in the last few years or last few months, I should say, because I've been trying on like I've been trying really hard to get that perspective and focus different on different things. But a few months ago, something clicked in me and WrestleMania definitely helped because I stopped worrying about how I'm going to do bigger and, and get higher and, 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 you know, reaching for that top spot. That's so like, cause here's the thing. It's going to come. It's going to come. If you work, it's not even working hard. It's going to come if you're good enough. And I feel like I've been there and I've been here and I've been there and I've been here. And I was always worried about getting back up there when I was here. But it happened on its own. A few months ago, I, I just decided I was going to, my focus was going to be to just have a, the, a blast for the next few years, have the time of my life. And since I shifted that focus, things have been better than ever. Talk to me about how you, how you shifted that focus. How were you able to get yourself mentally into that place? Because I mean, I, I've seen you at TV and it's very, it's not uncommon amongst any talent. You get frustrated. It's part of the business. We had Dolph Ziggler on here about a month ago talking about how he's been doing it for so long, but he's been able to maintain the grind. Um, what, what did Kevin Owens do or how did you arrive at that place before you signed your new contract? 
it's kind of funny that you bring Dolph up because uh, he's a guy I respect a ton. And, you know, I don't think I've ever told him this, but he's one of the guys that I would look at and think, man, I don't want to be like Dolph in the sense that he's so good. And he, I would see him so frustrated because he's so good. And he should, he feels like he should be doing more. And he was right. And I remember thinking, man, I don't want to be like that. Like, this is when I was first in 2015, 2016, you know? Right. I was like, I don't want to be like that. I want to come to work and, and I don't want to be frustrated all the time. But you guess what? When you're passionate and hungry and you know you're good, which is what he is, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. Right. It's going to happen to everybody. If you don't go through that at one point, you're probably, I'm not going to say you're in the wrong business because that's cliche and I don't believe that. Maybe you just have a better perspective, but it's just, you know, the hunger to do more and to, 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 to be able to, to contribute to the show as much as you think you should or could, that's normal. But it's important to eventually find that perspective to be able to enjoy it because that's my thing. Like I was like, man, Dolph never really seems to enjoy himself here. And then that shifted. I've seen him now completely different. It is. He talked about how NXT has been like a great change of pace and, and a new... You know what? When he went to do that NXT stuff, I remember I watched the first night, he cut that promo on NXT and I texted him and he and I don't really text. We're not friends that way. But I texted him to some... That promo was unbelievable. It was a Dolph I hadn't seen in years. Right. And uh, he was like, yeah, it was really refreshing. And he said the same. like, this was... But even before that, I feel like his his whole attitude and energy shifted. He seems to be enjoying himself at work a ton more. And uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't know what really said, like, I, I don't know what really a few months ago made it so that, so honestly, maybe signing the new contract helped a lot because now I know that, uh, you know, when WWE made it clear they wanted me to stay, I was like, okay, so now it's obvious they want me here. So now maybe it took some of the pressure off. I don't know exactly what a it is. A little bit of stability certainly helps. I, I, I yeah, I, I mean, I can't, we can't even use that word because, you know, right. but still. Uh, <laughs> Hypothetical I, stability. <laughs> yeah, I, I, feel pre- I feel pretty confident in my, my position here. And I think that helped take the pressure off. And I don't know. I don't know what it is. But also, maybe it's just, I don't know, man. Maybe it's getting older. I don't know what it is, you know. I just know that for a long time, I really, uh, I loved my job but I didn't enjoy it because I was too worried and too frustrated because things weren't going exactly how I thought they should be going. And, uh, you know, also part of it probably is a lot of other talent would come to me to vent about their frustrations. And then I would talk to them going, yeah, but you look at it this way. And then when I would say, well, if I applied the same view that I'm telling them, because right. I, what I'm telling them is genuine. I think, this right. is, no, but look at it this way. Look at it that way. And then I'm like, well, I should apply this to myself. Take your own advice. Yeah. yeah. And then I think, I guess, I guess that's part of what I, and then, like I said, it worked out because I just came off the biggest thing I'm probably ever going to do in professional wrestling. And uh, I did it just by having fun and being, being more, you know, being myself and it just all worked out. And last but not least, the honorary Oos, Sami Zayn, stopped by ATV June 10th to talk with us about everything under the sun. But hearing how the match at WrestleMania 38 with Jackass star Johnny Knoxville came together was my personal favorite part. So for you to, to sort of step out of the box that you were you had existed in, not necessarily by your own choice, but again, I'm thinking back to what made Sammy a household name back in the NXT days. And, and it was always going out there. And you, you, you had the passion, you had the emotion, all of the, that sort of thing. But now you're, you, I, I want to focus on WrestleMania particularly because it, that was entertainment. 
right? You had to know going in, you and Johnny Knoxville weren't going to have a quote unquote five-star classic match. You had something entirely unto itself. It was a, it was a spectacle. Yeah. In my opinion, Vic and I stood there in the arena, in the stadium and watched it go down. And I cannot (laughs) compliment you enough. I I believe I actually texted you after the fact, because it was like, wow, you, you superseded expectations. You have to give yourself a little credit for that, but how did that come to be? Where, what, what made that so special? Uh, oh man, I don't even know where to begin, but I'd like to, there's one little statement you made that I'd like to expand upon a little bit here, Please. but I don't want to get into like, cause it can become a real rant here. I don't want to go into the anatomy of a match and all this kind of thing, but while it was a spectacle and while it was dressed with all kinds of, uh, you know, Bells special and effects and, but right. yeah, if you want to call it that, right. Uh, and stuff that you don't normally get to do with a normal WWE superstar in a normal wrestling match. I still think it was actually a great wrestling match. Because if you look at the things that actually the components of a wrestling match, they're all there. Sure. Like we didn't throw anything out of the of the of the framework of a wrestling match to create this match. Right. That it was an entertaining spectacle within the framework of a wrestling match. So yeah. there's there's still an established babyface and a, a, a good guy and a bad guy and the storytelling is all there and even even the gags and the goofs the Johnny Knoxville the timing. Well, there's that and there's also those are his moves cuz he's not a wrestler. <laughs> you know I, I guess, mean? yeah, I guess so. I, I never looked at it like that. Sammy, we got time, buddy. We got, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I brought you on here for a reason. Let's, let's talk. Let's <laughs> chat. Sammy, that's a, that's a great analogy because now that I'm thinking about you saying that, I'm like, oh yeah, if that was quote unquote a video game, that'd be a signature that's a, move. That's where I went. Exactly. I went to, I went to the old WrestleMania arcade game where right. Yokozuna had a salt bucket and, and some yeah. razor had the razor on the chop. Yeah. Like just saying, I get it. Yeah. And if you look at it in that context, then it does make a lot more sense. A little profound to hear you explain it that way. I'm telling you, if you go back and watch it and you, you, you don't look at the, the, and it's very hard to do because, well, actually, so it's, here's a, okay, let me, let me slow it down here a little bit. One of the things that we run into because we work here and we're surrounded by this all the time, and especially you, Corey, because you worked in the ring for so many years, sometimes it's hard to take off the insider goggles and just put on fan goggles. Yes. Right? Like you're looking at structure, you're looking at the things that you know are the components. So one of the things I'm really proud of is that that match blinded so many people internally to all mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Like people, people who know the business inside out, who've been working forever, forgot about match structure, forgot about match psychology, when you should do this, where you should do that. And they were just reacting in real time to all of it. But if you actually look back on it, structurally speaking, it's a normal wrestling. It checks match. all the boxes. I'm going to have to it watch, watch all it boxes. back. Because Vic and I stood there in AT&T Stadium. We were in our little corral area for the announcers that weren't working at the time. And there were only a few moments all weekend that I got to do that. And Vic and I were standing there and in particular, the body slam yeah. <laughs> may have been, and I say this without any exaggeration, may have been the loudest AT&T Stadium was all weekend long, wow. with the exception of when Stone Cold's glass broke. That's how it, it, the magnitude of that moment. And Vic and I are looking at each other laughing and smiling and going, God, this is so much fun. And it was different and it stood out and in the wake of WrestleMania a lot of people still talking about that matchup because it was just so different. I think people talk about that for year, for for years and years and yes, years. 
but for maybe different reasons than let's say a Cody and Seth match from Hell in a Cell that we're talking about. But so another thing that I'm really proud of of that match is what one of the things you touched on earlier when you brought it up. It's we created something that doesn't actually like it doesn't really exist. There's not really a match like that anywhere else. Right. Because there's only one Johnny Knoxville and one Sami Zayn and one WrestleMania where where those things could exist. Going back to what we were talking about with Cody and Seth, circumstance. There is an element of circumstance to this because you can't recreate that match. You, you just can't recreate that match. Like, for example, you could watch Undertaker Sean and you could be two guys on the independents and you can do your little version of that match. You can't redo the, the, a version of this match because it doesn't exist. Right. Like right. He, there's no, there, there's no template. Some, there's you, no other, you, you, yeah, there's right. no other party boy. There's no other wee man. Right. There's no other giant <laughs> hand. You know what I mean? Was there, was there ever a moment all, all WrestleMania weekend or in the lead up to this where you, cause we're about the same age and you, you grew up and Jackass was a, a cultural phenomenon here in, in, at least in the United States where yeah. everyone and their brother was obsessed with it. Do you ever have any moments in this process where you went, man, party boy is shaking his parts at me at WrestleMania. <laughs> well, so, and I said this in a couple of interviews, but I didn't grow up a Jackass fan. Okay. So, but I obviously knew what, you know, what a huge deal it was and all that. So there were definitely moments in the lead up, like, man, I never thought uh, 20 years ago when I started wrestling that I'd be wrestling Johnny Knoxville at WrestleMania. Of course you have those thoughts. Right. But, but I had to do a little bit of homework for the match too, because I had a preconceived notion from, of what Jackass was from 20 years ago to when I, when I first made the decision, I'm not into this <laughs> 20 years ago when it, when it was like, Hey, there's this thing called jackass. And all I understood about jackass is a bunch of guys getting hurt. And I don't really like watching guys get hurt or people, yeah. people like hurting themselves. Kevin is different. He loves those videos of like <laughs> people slipping and falling or whatever. He loves that stuff. I, I'm kind of squeamish. I'm like, God, oh, don't show me that. So, so I, I didn't really know what jackass was about. And I kind of made the decision early on, like, God, oh, it's not for me. But then, you know, now revisiting it and all, I've said this before, but I find it ironic that I missed the point of what Jackass was all about. Because the reason Jackass was a huge cultural phenomenon is because of the, it was the camaraderie and it was the guys doing everything. It's the crew and you get me and I get you and like, it's the laughs and which is, it's so funny and ironic that I would miss the point because I love wrestling. Yes. And people constantly miss the point about wrestling where they'll be like, oh, it's this and that. And it's like, well, you don't even understand what this is about. It's exactly. not, that's not what it's about. So it's just so funny that I would have missed the point. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm quick to call myself out on that. And I'll admit I was wrong. So all this to say, going back and watching Jackass a little bit going into the match, um, you know, it was kind of like I wanted it to be a, uh, a really a, a, a true pro wrestling Jackass collaboration crossover. And I think that's what it was. If you go back and watch it and like maybe a little elements of, of home alone as well, but that's a different thing, but uh, that's kind of what I wanted. I wanted it to be true to what happens when wrestling meets jackass. And I think we nailed it. Mission accomplished. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, killed it. you know, as Corey said, we stood there with like our childish glow on our faces. We were looking around at everyone rising and there was a moment in yeah. the match that I, I think I, I said, Oh, they're about to go nuts. And I think, he kicked out of something and the place like erupted in laughter and the match was great itself. But I want to go back to you actually diving in to this story to the yeah. point where you did the stuff on social media, because I think that also is now getting lost after the match. Like this was that beautiful story right. told, but through the power of 
Instagram and, and Twitter and, and things like that. Well, so that's another thing that, um, that I take a lot of pride in now looking back on all of it and, and talking about circumstance. The buildup to that match is also not a buildup you could have done with anyone else. I can't build my Hell in a Cell match with, with Seth Rollins, for example, by flying his phone number over Los Angeles. <laughs> right. like, it's just not, that's not how you do, you know, that's just not how you build programs. It's not what that was. That, that, you're, it was such a unique thing, right? Exactly. We got to go so far out of the box. And I got, bit, I got kind of addicted to it. I was like, oh man, here's all these things we can do next. And there's just so much awesome stuff that we could do that I think is very, like him giving out my phone number and me taking all those calls. And I think that's going to be very, very memorable. Um, it was, it was so very good. exciting. And there was so much other stuff that, that, that was on the, the table to do that for one reason or another, we didn't get to do, but it just, um, and one of the big things was the red carpet premiere at the Chinese theater in Hollywood going yeah. to the, the movie premiere. And that was such an awesome moment for me. Very, I've never done anything like that before, but it was, uh, it was, it was like an, it was my Andy Kaufman moment a little bit, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, with, with Dave Letterman and, and the thing that I find funny is, in this case, I was Andy Kaufman and the wrestler. Yeah, I was both, you, know <laughs> yeah. I mean? you married the two. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is funny, but it just got me so addicted, or not. Almost going back to what you asked me about when when was the light bulb moment of uh, you know transitioning from good match guy to storytelling guy or whatever it is. This was a bit of a light bulb moment for like, oh man, there's just so many creative ways I want to do things. And I hope I can do them. It's kind of hard sometimes here with the nature of how we do things, but it just got me so excited about the uh, out of the box ways to build a story or tell a story and things to do and, and ways to build your character, all, all this fun stuff. Uh, and, and I couldn't have done it with anyone else except Johnny Knoxville because he's not a, he's not a conventional wrestler B he's not even a conventional celebrity. That's true. You know, like, like if I was wrestling Leonardo DiCaprio, we wouldn't be doing this stuff. It's because uh, it's because that's what Johnny Knoxville does. He does gags and goofs and he gets you this way and that way, whatever. So it could only have worked with him. So that, that was another thing that uh, a big takeaway for me is the creative way we can go about telling stories and getting character stuff over and doing things that we don't always do. But it remains it'll. It remains to be seen how much of that I get to do going forward. Thanks for checking out some of the least worst of After the Bell from this past year. Make sure you're following us at After the Bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. Listen for free on Spotify. Just search After the Bell and hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. We'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE After the Bell. After the Bell.